I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart and welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. Well, welcome back to the podcast in our regular format after the Team Church Conference a few weeks ago. Man, I'm so excited to be back and I'm so excited about what we're going to uh, talk about today. We consider it one of the great honors of a lifetime to get to have a little space and a little voice into your world as a church leader, as a staff member, uh, and as someone who serves someone else's vision. You know, we started leading second for all of us that lead from the second chair. So if you uh, match that description, this is your tribe. Welcome home. We have created this resource for you. And if you're a lead pastor listening, you are so welcome. But I want to encourage you to share this with your team because we really created Leading Second to give voice to some things that those of us that lead in the second chair um, have to navigate. And in fact, uh, right now, wherever you're at and wherever you're listening to this from, I'd encourage you to even pause this episode for a second and consider sharing it with someone who may not know about the podcast. We would just Consider it the honor of a lifetime to help build uh, your church and your friend's church and anyone you pass this along to, because I truly believe that we're better together as we do uh, ministry life. Hey, I want to remind you before we get going today that it is coaching group time again at Leading Second. Uh, We are getting ready to launch our fall quarter of coaching groups. Coaching groups are the great love of my life with Leading Second, and it's an opportunity for you to get to spend time with a personal coach, myself and some of our coaching team, as well as a small group of ministry leaders on video calls. And our next round of coaching group meetings begin the first uh, week of October. So you're going to want to get registered for a coaching group. Head to leadingsecond.com to get registered and find out more information on that. I believe that registrations close around September 20. So make sure and head over and get registered uh, for that. Before we dive into the interview today, I want to take a question from a listener of the Leading Second podcast who's also a member of the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. So we had some questions sent in recently. Let's take a listen to one of those right now. What's up, Leading Second crew? My name is Drew. I'm executive pastor out of Houston, Texas, H-Town. And uh, first off, thank you so much for um, for this podcast, for Leading Second and everything you guys are doing for leaders across the world. It's amazing. And uh, uh, this podcast has quickly made top five. So I thank you all the content that has been talked about. All the questions have, have been really, truly gold for me personally. So thank you for that. Um, so I have a question uh, and my question uh, pertains to ownership. So obviously uh, leading other people and volunteers in church, um, I think oftentimes people love the vision, but um, maybe they struggle with owning the vision. And so uh, when it comes to ownership, is it like vision that it vision is caught? So is ownership caught or is it taught? 
And if we can teach it or if it is taught, what are some steps that we can, I guess, apply to our leadership that could help us have other people that love the vision go beyond and own the vision? So, hey, I look forward to this answer. I look forward to the podcast coming up Uh, again. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Well, thanks for your question, Drew. I loved uh, this question on ownership. In fact, Drew is a member of one of our coaching groups uh, right now. And I I love Drew. I love the church that he is a part of. And uh, let me take a stab at uh, this question today on ownership. As we have said previously on the podcast, yes, ownership can be taught, but it must first be modeled. In other words, it it begins as something that we show others by the way that we live and by the way that we own the vision more so than we teach. I've heard it said more is caught than taught. And uh, I do believe that people will follow your actions more than your words. So it begins as something we model, but not to create what my pastor would call a dumb dichotomy. Absolutely, it can be taught and it should be taught. And it should be taught regularly. In other words, as you identify uh, principles and as you identify things that sparked ownership in your own life, I encourage you to find ways to transfer those same thoughts into the people that follow you. In fact, I'll just be honest with you. So many of the things that we are teaching right now in Leading Second come from moments where I heard ownership taught on in my own journey And I saved them, I stored them, and now I've just given voice to them in a new way. So there's very little about leading second that started with me. It was actually things that sparked my own ownership, and now I've just figured out ways to communicate it that hopefully will spark ownership in the hearts of other people. So I I believe that you can and you should teach it. In terms of steps, I'm just going to give you one today, and there's a lot that we could say about sparking ownership in people, but here's one thought for you. Look at the small things. Look at the small things. In other words, if you want to see if someone has ownership in their heart, remember ownership is a heart condition first before it's anything. And if you want to see if someone has ownership in their heart, look at how they treat the small things, the small opportunities, the unseen moments. Look for the test of small things in people's lives. And if they're willing to own something that is small, then they'll own something that is great. If it has to be great in order for them to own it, it means they're an opportunity seeker. And opportunity and ownership are two very different words. So I just encourage you to, in some ways, test people. Give them small things to do and see how they do them. The test of small things will prove really powerful. Uh, in your leadership toolbox. So thanks, Drew. Thanks for the question today. Uh, If you have a question that you would like to hear us talk about and answer on the podcast, head to uh, leadingsecond.com. Submit your question there. You can also email us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and uh, communicate with us there. We would love to have you part of our tribe anyway and do ministry and do life with you. Okay, so without further ado, today's interview I'm so excited about. I couldn't wait to bring this interview to you. Uh, Today, we're going to talk on the idea of thriving in an imperfect environment. Thriving in an imperfect 
environment. You know, when I look over the landscape of young leaders today, you might call it millennial leaders today, uh, one of the great challenges that I see, the inability to thrive when the conditions aren't just right. You know, we kind of add up in our minds that if, you know, we don't have the perfect work environment with beanbag chairs and free food and high-speed Wi-Fi and hipster coffee available, you know, you know, 24 hours a day, that how can I possibly be, uh, you know, effective? How can I possibly be expected to produce something? And even more serious than that, sometimes our leaders are imperfect or the culture on the team is imperfect. And I think we add up that if the environment's imperfect, I can't thrive. And I want to challenge that notion today and even just remind you that sometimes when the environment is imperfect, you know, are the places where God does the greatest work on the inside of us. So you're going to hear today from a great friend of mine. Let's head into uh, this interview today, Thriving in an Imperfect Environment. So today I'm really excited to be joined uh, for this episode of the podcast by my good friend, Pastor Joshua Bingle. He's the lead pastor at Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington. Josh, why don't you say hey to everybody today? Hey, everybody. Glad you're here. Glad to be on. Brandon, let's do this. Man, we love you, man. Thank you for being in my life. And uh, Josh and I go back several years now and done a lot of uh, miles of ministry together, I guess, at this point. And um, I believe believe today is going to be no exception to that. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And as we were preparing for today's episode, Josh and I decided to talk to you on this subject today, and that is thriving in an imperfect environment, thriving mm. in an imperfect environment. Josh, maybe get us started today with a couple thoughts on this. What have you noticed about young leaders and uh, imperfect environments? Oh man, I think. Um, well, first off, I think every single work environment you're ever going to be in is going to be imperfect. And uh, if you're looking for the perfect work environment, you're going to be looking for a long time. And uh, I I would say that some of the most annoying and frustrating people to me are the people who are excuse type people who will talk about an imperfect work environment. If I just had this, if I just had this, and if I had the right people, and if I had this, and um, quite frankly, those people are draining to me. And I, but I think that there, there's something to be said for an imperfect work environment. And if we'll just flip our perspective um, that it very much could be the grace of God at work in our life, um, that God is using that environment to draw things out of us. Like James 1 says, um, consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges come at you from all right. sides. Right. Um, I would say, I would say like in an imperfect work environment, you're going to be tested and challenged like literally from every side. And it's a good thing for you. And James says um, about that, he says, you know, the under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So there, there are all, like also some times where I will intentionally create an imperfect work environment because I want to see what somebody's made of. Mm. I want, I want to see oh, so you're one what of those will come leaders. out of them. Oh, come on. You know, I am. So I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to build some people, but, but James says this, he says, don't try to get out of it prematurely. Right. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed not deficient in any way. So I like to leave people in those spaces. I used to be, Craig Rochelle calls it the rescuing leader. And I've worked Mm. really hard 
um, not to steal the the stretch from people or uh, at Genesis we say don't poach the press like that pressing wow, thing in them like like I'm not doing a service to the people on my team um, when I try and save them from the imperfect work environment or the hard stuff because James says that the thing that you're trying to get out of God actually he gave it a job and an assignment and he's trying to press things out of you that you didn't know were in there in like imperfections. And so I would say in an imperfect work environment, you can be the kind of person that makes excuses and then you will always just make excuses forever about why you can't get the job done. Or you can shift your perspective, see it as God's grace, pressing things out of you and get the job done anyway. And that's the kind of people that I would love to have on my team. I agree. Pastor speaking here. <laughs> so Josh, tell us a little bit of your story uh, as you know, a young leader in ministry growing into yeah. really a young lead pastor. Now yeah. um, I'm sure the environment has been imperfect for you at times. When has it been imperfect for you? How, how did that look? Man, that's a fantastic question. I um, I will be 33 next month, and our church in September will celebrate eight years. Wow. So I was 25 when we planted, <laughs> and I didn't even know. Like, honestly, I didn't know what church planting was. I never even heard that term. I didn't know about um, you know interest groups and lead teams and let's gather for months and everything. It was literally no exaggeration, like two weeks before we were going to start weekend gatherings, I was like, oh, we should have a space to meet. We should like, <laughs> we should have a place. I was driving down the street and I saw a phone number on, on the window of a strip mall and I called it and we had, you know, a week later we were in a space, which is awesome. Um, but I think for me in the imperfect work environment, um, I think is one of the the greatest gifts I've ever been given. Like we, I've had the the honor and the privilege of talking to different churches about building like healthy volunteer culture. Um, Brandon, you've really helped us with this at Genesis, but we have a really healthy volunteer culture. And and but that wasn't because we set out as a strategy. It was because I just never had enough money to pay people. And I was <laughs> like, if we are going to get stuff done, like I got to ask people, hey. Here's a 20 hour a week position, completely volunteer. There's no paycheck. Are like, are you my guy? Like that, that is a really uh, imperfect work environment, I would say. But in that, what we learned is, is like one of the things we say around Genesis is that you, you don't have a lack of resources. You have an opportunity for innovation. Right. And it's in that space that innovation happens. And so some of the things that have have become platforms for us to be able to encourage people didn't set out as a strategy. It literally was an imperfect work environment where we refused to settle and say, Oh, I guess this just sucks. We were going to get the job done anyway. And then on the back end of it, we look back and go, Oh, thank you Lord for the gift of restriction. Thank you for the gift of stripping me. Um, like it makes me think of Gideon who we, we often think of equipping, like being properly equipped as God giving us things and adding things. But in Gideon's story, the stripping was the equipping. It was, I'm going to take this away. I'm going to take this away. I'm going to take this away so that when I get in there and you have to go fight tens of thousands of people with 300 guys and no swords, you just have clay pots and torches. 
like that's all you need. But the stripping was the equipping. And I never would have learned that un- unless we had, I mean, you, you've been walking with us for years and our story has been one of imperfect work environments. And then God just coming through in miraculous ways. Cause we're just hustling and doing what we can. And then God's like, that was awesome. Here you go. Now, now try something with this. Um, so I think most of where we are today and where I am as a person, as a husband, as a leader is a function of imperfect work environments. Like there's never been an easy season for us. God's always been there and we've had fun and we've been energized and we've had everything we needed. Um, but they have been just season after season of imperfection, um, that has built us into who we are right now. Yeah. Really good. I was thinking too the other day about this topic on why is it better when the environment is imperfect? I actually, kind of what you're mm. alluding to here, I actually think it's better. See, the, when the environment's imperfect, we want out. We, as soon mm. as it gets imperfect, we want the exit sign. Right. We want the exit route. But I was thinking the other day that maybe, just maybe, the imperfect environment has a purpose to it. That maybe God's ways are higher than our ways. And just what if the very thing we want out of is the very thing that God is sending into our lives in order to prove something in us? And so I I had these two thoughts, like, why is it better if the environment is perfect, is imperfect? I think number one, it establishes our trust in God. Yeah. That is. When it's imperfect and we have victory or when it's imperfect and we're successful, that God then gets the glory yeah. because it couldn't have been done by us. And so God gets right. the glory and we learn to trust him next time. And I think number two, why is it better if the environment is imperfect? I think it builds strength for future battles. Build strength for future battles that you actually may need more strength next time for the battle that's coming. And if you learn the lesson of this one, then uh, you're going to have strength for the next one. And Josh, you brought up an interesting point about Jericho. You know, when, when, when when the children of Israel entered the promised land and Jericho, of course, was their first battle. It was it was a. It was a daunting task, but it was easy because God took it down. But later they would actually need swords. Right. Maybe just talk about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's that's the story of the nation of Israel. Like when God tells them to go into the promised land, he's like, hey, I've given it to you. Now go fight for it. Like that's essentially that story. Like it's yours. Now what are you going to do about it? And then he tells them, you're just going to drive them out little by little. And we see that the, the further they get into the promised land, there's so many times where the battle is more difficult. But at Jericho, um, if, if you've never fought a battle, if you've been wandering around in the desert and literally been everything's been handed to you, you could make the argument that that was an imperfect work environment. But everything was handed to them, manna, quail, all this stuff. Then they go into the promised land. And they have this impenetrable thing, and um, but God does all the work. Um, they just slowly start advancing. Um, but I think that they had to learn, like you were saying, they had to learn to trust God. Um, because if they just would have jumped straight to the end of the story, they would have been crushed, man. They, right. 
God was leaving those things in there. And really, I think the imperfection of the environment actually was pointing out imperfections in them and weaknesses sure. in them, which is what the imperfect work environment will do. I think that's why God leaves you in there because he's trying to show you things about you that will get you killed if you don't handle them right now. Like if if you just fast forward 20 years to what you think, you know, the dream in your heart that God has given you and you don't fight these battles now, um, you're going to get crushed. Like they will take you out. So it gets back to me to the perspective thing. It's you just got to look at it, this imperfect work environment with kingdom eyes and a kingdom perspective and say, God, what are you trying to show me about myself right. in this space? Um, Very good. And and work those things out of me. Because here's what we also see with the Israelites, that when God tells them to go in, he says, you're going to advance and then you're going to fill and then advance and then fill. So it was go forward and then occupy and then go forward and then occupy. And any time that they didn't pause in that space and look all through that story, all of those spaces were imperfect. But anytime they didn't pause to occupy and own the space where they were, if they tried to advance too quickly and move on, they always ended up circling back to go fight that battle again that they didn't take care of. That's right. And they lost years. They lost resources. They lost family members. In fact, the Syrians, they didn't take care of. And God said, now you're going to be dealing with them forever. And it's 2018 and Israel and Syria still hate each other. Because they didn't handle the imperfect thing right there. They tried to just move on, pretend like it wasn't an issue. So don't don't try and get out of those things, man. Like God is trying to work things out in you. And the thing that you're lamenting about and you're saying, why is it like this? God is like, would you just fight this battle? I've given you everything you need. Fight this. Handle this now. If you could only see what I want to do with you in the future, you would embrace this and you would fight with everything you have. That is so well said, and I think everybody can see now why I like calling you and talking to you because you, <laughs> you you build my faith as well as anybody. Okay, I want to end on this one final thought. Yeah. What should we do when the environment is imperfect? What should we do when the environment is imperfect? I wrote down a couple of thoughts here. I think, first of all, we need to realize that no environment is perfect. So that yeah. means leaving isn't the answer. Because if you go from this imperfect environment and you go to another, you're just going to find that environment is imperfect as well. Something will surface. And if if you allow discontentment to rule you, you will never be satisfied and you will never be planted. So you need to realize that no environment is perfect. So leaving isn't the answer. Number two, I think you need to learn the lessons of the season. Yes. Learn the – there's a lesson in there somewhere. Even – if the lesson is what not to do, I think mm. that's that's a lesson we can learn yeah. Yeah. in imperfect environments. Number three, I think we need to be found faithful. And mm. in the imperfect environment, you can still do your best. You can yeah. still give it all for your pastor. Mm. You can still say, I left everything on the field today, even if I'm not going to get the credit or even if no one takes my idea, even if it was unnoticed, I am still going to do my best. Uh, I think number four, you can be a team player and Mm. you can pass the ball and you can involve others, even if they're in their ideas are inferior to yours. This is what I love about ideas. (laughs) People as we always think our ideas are the best. 
Totally. Right. You know, on the strengths finder, by the way, my top strength is ideation. And so Ooh. I, um, I am an ideas person that thinks my ideas are the best. And yeah. of course, everyone else is inferior. So I actually show humility and strength when I pass the ball and, and go with the team wow. over me. Uh, so being a team player, I think is something you can do. Uh, and then lastly, I just wrote this down. You can trust God no matter what. That our yeah. God is just so big and he is so faithful and he is so good. And if God is a giver and not a taker, and if if our God is good and has good for you, you can trust him yeah. in this season. He will remove you or he will use you. And either way, it's a win-win sure. if you trust God, no matter what. Josh, let's yeah. end. I'm going to end the podcast with what is your heart for second chair leaders? What would you want every second chair leader listening today to know something maybe you wished you would have known when you were getting started? All right. I would say that you are far more valuable than you know. And your pastor, because I am one, doesn't always know how to thank you. But we go to bed so thankful that you're in our corner. We don't always have the right words. We sometimes are bad at it. We're maybe not encouragers. But you are far more necessary than you know. And the kingdom of God is built on people like you doing what you do. So stay in the fight. Stay in it. Um, you you are our favorite people. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Hey, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being my yeah. friend. Thank you for thank you for partnering with our ministry and our church and team church. It just it means the world to me, man, to have you um, in our life. I love you. You're the best. Me too, man. If this podcast has resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. I want to encourage you to uh, subscribe to the podcast, to leave us a rating or a comment, or even share it with someone who may not know about it. We would love and, and count it an honor to have a voice into your team's world. I also want to encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com and get signed up for a coaching group. Uh, we're taking uh, registrations for our fall coaching groups. Those close on September 20th and groups begin the first week of October. Uh, we would love to spend some time with you in the leadership a gym. Leading second, we love you. We're praying for you. We're in your corner. We believe in you. Uh, until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. Oh.